Welcome back. I'm Larry Wilmore, and this is Black on the Air. Good to see you guys. Well, not see you guys, but, you know, be in your cars, on your runs, in your houses, wherever you're listening to this podcast. Thanks for listening. I really appreciate it. Happy New Year. Haven't uh, done a pod since the last year. And um, I'm recording this the day after MLK Day, which really is the beginning of the new year. Let's be honest. Come on. Start it with the with MLK. <laughs> Start the new year the right way. So much going on, guys. It seems like whenever I'm not doing a pod, the world just goes crazy. Oh, uh, the same thing happened when I was doing my uh, my show when I was doing the nightly show. We'd be off for a week. People go, Larry, get back in the air. The world is going away. So I understand, man. I understand. As I'm recording this, uh, we're still in the middle of the government shutdown. To me, that's the most important thing happening right now. And I have to say, I'm really, really, really getting sick and tired of it. This is the time when Larry the Partisan goes out the window and Larry the Realist comes up. Because I hate these political games when people who just want to work for a living and they're feeding their families become the pawns of this political bullshit. And this is when I say, you guys need to stop fucking around and do your fucking job and just get a deal done. Deal doesn't have to be perfect. I don't give a shit about that. Do whatever you got to do. Just get it fucking done. Do whatever you have to do. Open the government and pay these people that are working. I get tired of shit like this because now we're in political gamesmanship. And don't give me any bullshit about ideology when it comes down to this because it's got nothing to do with ideology. And this is a both sides conversation at this point. When you're not dealing with people's livelihoods, then it's different. You know, that's time for your political fights. Ideology can rule the day or whatever, you know. And uh, we've had government shutdowns in the past. They've never lasted this long. But please, just my message is fucking stop it right now. Seriously, this this makes me more mad than anything else that's going on right now is uh, this whole thing. Um, <laughs> so I don't have any clever prescriptions for it. Am I saying both sides are at fault? I don't give a shit who's at fault. I just want them to stop it right now. I really do. Do whatever deal you got to do to just get this shit done. Because that's that's what you're there to do. You know? You're not there to just uh, stand on the sidelines and screaming about ideology. That's what activists do. You're not activists. You're governing. So fucking govern. Thank you. So there's been so much going on that I feel are distractions and I don't weigh in on them a lot. I just <laughs> I kind of shake my head from the sidelines, you know, and try to keep my eyes on what uh, what is important. I try as much as possible because I am interested in a lot of things, you know. I'm interested in everything, of course, from magic to, you know, doing magic tricks to politics. So it runs the gamut, you know. I talk about religion in one sentence and football in another, you know. You know, I love my Lakers. But I'm also interested in the Flint water crisis, you know, which still hasn't been solved. But there was a thing that happened over the weekend. There was this viral video that I think started on Twitter, I believe, about um, there were some festivities going on in Washington. I think they called it Indigenous Persons Day or something like that. And some other events, there was a group of uh, students that were there for anti-abortion rally or pro-life day or something like that. Whatever it was. But anyhow, I think you guys all know the story. I'm not reporting it for the first time where 
there was a a short video of what looked like these little punk high school kids who looked like in the short video of it that they were stopping this guy, Nathan Phillips, who's been described as a native elder. I don't know if that's the correct term, but that's how he's been described. He's also a veteran. And it looked like they were smirking at him and stopping him from celebrating whatever. So I saw this on Twitter happening, and I'm like, what the fuck is this, you know? And it started going through my head, what's going on, people? Why can't we all just get along, as Rodney King once stated? And then I, I, one of the things that I do, so you know about me, a little bit more about me, about later one more, is um, I like to investigate both sides of things before I make up my mind. Sometimes I can make up my mind sooner, but I really do. Like, I follow people from both the right and the left, both different sides of the spectrum. Um, I read a lot on both sides. I like to investigate both sides. I've always considered myself a centrist, but I always joked about it and said uh, I'm really a centrist because half the time I disagree with myself. That was my joke. But in my point of view, and this is just me, I don't like to demonize aside just for pure ideological reasons. I just don't do that. You know, I like to have evidence of actions and behavior and that sort of thing. But I do kind of look for, I think it's a pun, it's kind of our duty, especially these days, to always look for the truth. And one of the things we did on the nightly show that I'm proud of, you know, no matter what the story was, we always tried to dig a little deeper, you know. But anyhow, I looked at a, at a, a longer video of this incident And the sense I got from it was completely different than the way it was being presented. The thing that struck me the most, there's this group of, I don't know if they're these black gentlemen, I think they're called Hebrew Israelites, like African Hebrew Israelites slash black nationalists, Hebrew nationalists, which makes me kind of hungry, I guess, is another way to look at it. (laughs) I don't know. But these guys were... Off the rails like fire and brimstoning it and throwing darts at everybody in their path. And some of it kind of made me laugh because I've seen these types of guys before where they're just, I don't care who you are, they're just going to tear your shit down and read you why they think their way is right or whatever. And one of their targets was the Native Americans there who were celebrating and they were mocking them saying that they worship totem poles and they don't know the real religion and I was really kind of shocked at this I'm like why you gotta hate on these people they're just minding their own business who are you to say what's right you know I have a different issue with with religion thinking that they're right and all that kind of stuff too you know so I have a huge problem with anybody spouting that kind of crap right but anyhow these guys are going after everybody and then there was some uh, later on some of these students started gathering. I guess they were waiting for a bus. It was reported. And they started going after these kids, kids because they were high school. And, I mean, they would not stop. And once again, Larry the Comedian finds some of that funny. But it was very inappropriate, some of the things that they were saying. And just and just kind of nasty, you know. And the video that I saw was uh, was these people doing this and everything else kind of stemmed as a result of that. So, anyhow— I'm saying this to say that uh, I felt like people got really upset over something that I just didn't find was a story. I still don't think it's a story. And um, regardless of how people feel about if somebody is smirking at somebody or doing this, guys, this is not a fucking story. And I want to say, can we stop making Twitter eruptions news, please? 
Can we just stop it? It's not news. This is not a news story. How high school students feel about somebody is not a news story, you guys. It isn't. What I just mentioned is a news story. The fact that people aren't getting paychecks and the government isn't working, that's a news story. But a, a high school kid taking his shirt off and doing a chant from their high school and, you know, a native elder hitting a drum while they're celebrating their day and these guys shouting epithets at everybody, that's not a fucking news story. That's just people acting out. But it's not news. And it's it really isn't important. And I'm sorry, you take your own confirmation bias, whether you're on the right or the left, into this story. If you're on the left, you take your confirmation bias that these high school kids are these <laughs> evil practitioners of Trumpism or whatever and are mocking these people. Fine, whatever. If you're on the right then you feel like uh, there are these angels who are being attacked for no reason at all, and, you know, people are engaging in this outrageous behavior. But, guys, if you're in the middle like me, it's not a fucking story. It's nothing. It's nothing, nothing, nothing. Trust me. If you were there, you would have said, wow, these people are making a lot of noise, and that would have been it. You would have kept moving. It is not a story, and I want this shit to stop. Because what it is, it became a story on Twitter when people start taking sides and they start arguing over it and they start responding to things. And then people start backtracking when they look at the video. But it's still, the other side still doesn't prove anything. It doesn't prove anybody's an angel or it doesn't prove anybody's a devil. It proves it's unimportant. That's what it proves. This is my take on it. I am keeping it 100% real with you guys right now. This is not news, okay? Let me tell you what is more important. This also was on television while I was down. The R. Kelly documentary. Okay? R. Kelly documentary was amazing. Amazing for this reason. We still live in a society where victims of abuse, especially young women who are preyed upon by men that want to subject them to this type of abuse, are silent. This was my whole Cosby thing on, on my show, you know, especially when you're powerful. And people who came out, these brave women who came out and spoke against this still very popular person. I mean, if it doesn't reduce you emotionally watching these stories, I just don't know what to tell you. But to me, these stories and this incident is much more important and significant about our world right now. It's something that somebody actually did to people, not a projection of what we think somebody is going to do or how we think somebody's behaving. This is real behavior. And it's amazing to me that these stories are people are, are divided over it. I don't understand why people can't get clarity over things like this. But I just want to applaud these women who have come forth and and have told these stories because I know it's not easy. You know, it's not easy to do that. Um, and if you haven't seen it, please, please, you have to watch that. It is very important. It's very important to keep telling these types of stories and for people to hear them. So that's basically what I say. Keep keep our eyes on the prize, guys. Real examples of power subverting people right now is more important than any of our projections of what we think that looks like. And we can start with the Tangerine Idi Amin. It's funny that people are starting to say they're running for president right now, and right now is the time for us to get clear, get some clarity about what the real issues are and what this real fight's going to be. I'll tell you one thing. This is going to be interesting because this is the first time I can remember. I don't, I don't remember several prominent 
women declaring their bid for the presidency all at one time, from Kamala Harris to Gillibrand, Warren, several others. This is going to be amazing because with Hillary, you know, I felt like it was easy to put her in a box, you know. It's the woman running. But now you kind of have to deal with these candidates as candidates, right? You can't just use that that woman card. So it's going to be real interesting. It's going to open things up in a way that we haven't quite seen, you know. It'll be interesting to see how that fills up. But this year, 2019, it's going to be a real interesting year. I'm going to try to uh, do my best to keep these the stories that I think are the important stories that we need to talk about. We'll see what's going to happen in this Mueller investigation. I'm not sure if that's going to yield anything, but who knows? I mean, with Trump supposedly telling his lawyer to lie, which we all know is true. There's probably no way you can ever prove it, but come on. We all know that's true. Um, we'll see what happens. You know, I'm still of the belief that Trump's going to be hard to beat in 2020. I know I've said that before. I don't like saying it. I throw up in my mouth every time I say it. I hope it's not true, <laughs> please. But we're going to see. This is going to be interesting, guys. Strap in for an interesting year, 2019. So happy New Year again. It's good to be back. Oh, I forgot to mention, on my pod uh, today, I have uh, Pete Holmes, very funny comedian, whose new show, Crashing, is coming out, uh, season three of Crashing on HBO. Just started last Sunday, so I had a good conversation with Pete. I think you're going to enjoy it a lot. That's it, man. That's all I got. Nothing else. I'll see you real soon. Okay, welcome back. I love it when I'm already laughing before these pods <laughs> these start. These are unrelatable shows. My first pod of the year, and I'm so happy to have, by the way, one of the most naturally funny guys, oh. I think, out there in comedy today, his third season of Crashing. I appreciate that. Just premiered this past weekend, I believe, Sunday It did, night. that's right. Do you feel yeah. funny? Like, when people say that, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Wait, wait. Pete Holmes, everybody. <laughs> okay, I have to do the proper intro. That's I'm how so my sorry. brain works. No, 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 yeah, no, no. I didn't mean to rob you. I kept trying to just, because I'm excited to see my, you. My brain, I know we have some similar things in our background, kind of. I'll put it into the religious guilt bucket. Sure. You know? I thought you were going to say love of magic, but yeah. Well, love of magic we talk about too, you know? So when people say that, I always defer first is my first move. And I think of how many people I think are so much funnier. Yeah, I think that's true. (laughs) Like I think that's where my brain goes first. But then I try to sit in appreciation of what they're actually doing. That's right. Like I've even taught my kids that I said, you know— the best thing to do is somebody gives you a compliment is to say thank you because the compliment yeah. is actually a gift. It's a know? gift. That's right. Yes. And it's their opinion. You know yeah. what I mean? I guess it's, it's you kind of knock you swap their opinion when you go, nah, nah, I'm not that true. Good. And yeah. if you consider how long, if you can remember, you know, I've been doing comedy for like 20-something years or wow. something. If it's you amazing. consider just how much analysis, literally like analysis mm-hmm. went into like – figuring out how to be more naturally funny. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like you watch comedians in cars or something, and you see two guys or two guy and a girl, gender aside, two people. There we go. You see two people that have clearly spent, as we have, a lot of time thinking about what's funny. Yeah. So it is pretty stupid. Here's why I I, I wrote a book, and and I was reading the jacket Mm -hmm. bio just before I got here. Uh And it said, like, one of the funniest men alive or something. And I was like, this is interesting for me. I'm a big self-love person, but when I see that, I go, have you met John Mulaney? Did it make you you kind of 
<laughs> think, is this authentic? Is this just well, you're, hype? You're or worried about true? it being hype. Yeah. Yeah. You're worried that it's like, it also said like podcast king or something. Yeah. And I was like, I don't, I, sp- I spent maybe 20 minutes staring at my screen trying to think right. of a better word than king. Well, and I, I wrote host. Yeah. And, and it wasn't it wasn't flashy enough. Well, we're kind of in the want bo- to buy it. We're kind of in the boasty age. Mm. You know. Like when I was a kid, boasting was still considered impolite. You like just if you got do it, it, don't talk about having it. The only one who got away with it was like Muhammad Ali. Yeah, that was know? the best. And even he was kind of vilified for it until he just kept all those oh, things I he mean, said. Right? We look back and true. we go like, he was the greatest. <laughs> Everyone hated <laughs> that the loud mouth. They jerk. hated it. They yeah, they hated, hated it. it. It was a smaller set of people that actually liked it. Yeah. But Ali backed it up. Sometimes he didn't. But for the most part, he backed it up. But then it became part of the culture. It's certainly part of hip-hop culture. Right. You know. You're right. Uh, to boast. But I have to the imagine. Boast, the boast is the way you present yourself. Right. You know. But that is, it's a little glimpse in the inner world of a comedian or an athlete. Yeah. The kind of uh, self assuredness yeah. and, and self-confidence that you right. need to have. It's, it's a preposterous yeah. thing to walk out and be like, you should applaud just because I walked from behind right. the curtain <laughs> yes, to yes. over here. That's a, that's a delusion. It's tricky in comedy, too. Um, and by the way, watching Crashing, it's almost like a PTSD yeah, experience me for me because it brings back all shooting the stand-up it. stuff. Me too. Because, and I'm just veering off topic. Well, on topic, though, too. I, I first have to applaud you on Using real comedians on your show, yeah, because a lot of shows use people that aren't comedians, and you can't you can't fake that. It's like there, it's there's something about an actor playing a comedian that just isn't right. I know. And God bless Dustin Hoffman, even being uh, his portrayal of Lenny, yeah. it's still not Lenny Bruce. I not understand. saying that he has to be Lenny Bruce. But there's something about the way a comedian there's communicates. A music to it. It's different. It's the, it's, it's like different. when you see someone pretending to be Miles Davis. I'm thinking yeah. about Don Cheadle. It's like yeah. the trumpeting is just a little bit wrong. You it's know what I mean? And, and, and the sound isn't even coming out of his it's trumpet. It's a little different. I'd love to see the dailies where it's his. Yeah. <laughs> and ironically, <laughs> yes, exactly. And ironically, the naturally funny Dustin Hoffman was probably funnier than the Lenny Bruce Dustin Huff. Right. You know? It's like a fingerprint. Yes, you know exactly. I, mean? it's a very, I was just, mm. I did, uh, Shane Moss has a podcast with scientists, and scientists were talking about when you slow down a fake laugh, yeah. it sounds like, <laughs> sounds super fake. If you slow down a, That's hilarious. a real laugh, yeah. it sounds like a chimpanzee, or it sounds primal. Really? It sounds like <laughs> like there's something unfakeable. Wait, that's the slowdown? I can't do it. Uh-huh. I can't do it. But what I'm saying is you would think it was a bear or you right. would think it was a chimpanzee or an orangutan. You know what I'm saying? It sounds yeah. like a primate. Uh, what I'm saying is orgasms and laughs, yeah. when, when we think they sound fake, it's because they don't sound animal enough. Interesting. And there's something going on similar when someone's pretending to be a stand-up. Yeah. You don't feel the gravitas of their dysfunction, perhaps. And you know what it is? <laughs> I think also because comedians are communicating directly to the audience, and the actor is acting something. That's you right. Know, so he's acting like he's communicating. Man, when I would have and like— so there's no communication going you're on. You're absolutely right. Yeah. It's fake. Yeah. When, when Bill Burr, for example, yeah, who did our show— Yeah, the authenticity is gone. He would do it, and in between takes, he would keep the audience. I would try to do this sometimes. Often I was too tired to do it. Right. But he would keep fucking with the audience to keep that line open. You know uh-huh. what I mean? Yeah. It wasn't about nailing the routine. Yeah. He was trying to create a frequency in the room. Yeah. And I that's what that. a stand-up is doing. A lot of the beginning of, course of, that's what you would of do. a stand-up routine, you know, like when the room is, like if you follow somebody who just eats it, 
<laughs> you yeah. know, on stage. And uh, and I guess it's different if you're headlining than if you're doing like 10 minutes or whatever. Like 10 minutes, you just go up and do your act sometimes or whatever, yeah. you know, and you yeah. just don't care. You get what you get. Yeah. But if you're headlining, you have a different responsibility because you're the show, basically. Mm-hmm. And if the room is like dead— it's more than just going up and telling your jokes and hoping that they get the response they get. You have to break open, yeah. like, what's in the room. And what's That's in right. the room right now is we don't feel like laughing. Gerard Carmichael yeah. called it a shared a shared nowness. Yeah. Because one of the things that, that we, I know I'm going to have a bad set if, I, if I'm on the side stage going, like, how do I start? <laughs> yeah. What words do I say right. to start? You start by being there and proving that yes. you're there and locking into them. Right. And sometimes comedians misinterpret that instinct and they'll throw a comedian under the bus that yes. bombs or something. Right, right, you don't right. have to do that. You just need to reset. Yeah. Just by you coming up. Yeah. Things have reset. Sometimes you need to address what happened. Like It depends. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> it depends on what happened. But it's funny because when you look at, with the exception of like classic comedy albums, which don't have that moment, you know, but when you get to somebody like even Pryor and his classic one that everybody talks about live in uh, you know his, there's his no first film one. in that camera? That one? Uh, yes. When yeah. he first goes up and says, this is the part I show, like, when white people come back and find out niggas have stolen their seats. Yeah, you know? that's right. Because Patti LaBelle had just performed. Yeah. You know, he's the great Richard Pryor, but he can't just launch into jokes. That's right. You know, he's got to break Dude. down that barrier. And Talk it's about- fascinating to look at that, how he goes about that. And then you can see the switch to material. I know. I yeah. love. I actually have the chills right now. And I, I yeah. don't often— uh, get that. You do it, you, you, <laughs> but you do it in your special. I just watched a Dirty Clean. What is uh, the name yeah, of it? It's called Dirty Clean. That's Dirty right. Clean, right. And you come out and I go, what is Pete doing right now? Because you, know, right. you spent a lot of time. Somebody wrote in a review. They were like, he walked out like he forgot what he was doing. And yeah. I was like, what do you think? I didn't edit no, the special? No, I know, I know, I know exactly you know. what you're doing. I know you know. But it was know. fascinating because I was going after I was what Gerard said. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I'm here. And there was an artifice in the room because you're filming something, you know, and you, you called right. attention to get that, that artifice. Get that smoke out get of it the room. Out of there. Yeah, Open yeah, yeah. the window and get that shit out. But, you know, the, I remember going to the library and I got VHSs of stand-up. This is when you first started when I was, You know, I was probably 15, 14, maybe. Wow. I don't know. Yeah. I, 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 you couldn't just get anything. You had to right. get what they had. Sure. And they <laughs> had, I think maybe I bought them. Maybe you'd have to buy them. Right. I don't know Absolutely. if they had them at the library. Although they were more expensive to buy. It was in hard. those days, there was there was one period in videotape history. Not that yeah, I'm the yeah. videotape historian. <laughs> where like the they would uh like if you wanted to buy a movie, it would cost like a hundred dollars. I remember. Yeah, and you could rent it for five. That's right, because they wanted you to rent. And Blockbuster, them. when yeah. we would not return a video, we're still going with those old prices. Oh, they're like, well, that's yeah. ten thousand dollars. <laughs> like, oh, what? Wait, guys, this is for Porky's. <laughs> you have other <laughs> copies of Porky's. <laughs> yes. Um, but I got live on the Sunset. I got Pryor. Everybody said Pryor was the best. Uh-huh. I'm so glad I got Pryor. Carlin made no sense to me. I didn't understand what you're we, 14, were you thinking 15 about. Years old about comedy at that. Yeah, point? Yeah, I was thinking about. Started doing when you were fourteen comedy. or fifteen, around that age, wow. I, I, I stayed in the closet. No disrespect to real people in the closet, right. like the idea of sexual closetness. Sure. I just mean there is a closety feeling mm-hmm. that I've talked about on my podcast a, a couple times, where you're like, about you're a little bit ashamed. Uh-huh. It's it's a weird thing to admit to your friends. A performing thing or a funny thing? It's a funny thing. It's okay. a, like my friends were funny. Uh-huh. They were very, very funny, very, very smart, funny guys. Right. So it was a weird coming out moment to be like. Remember that sleepover we had yeah. where I made you laugh? I think you owe me 50 bucks. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, that's a weird feeling. Yeah. So you start slowly. And anybody listening that's thinking about stand-up, it's natural, it's normal yeah. to be an introverted extrovert where sure. you're just sort of like, I'm going to go in the lab a little bit. Yeah. And, I wa- and I watched that prior, 
And all that really stood out to me, two things, Cosby and Pryor did the same thing. Uh, Pryor, when he comes out, he does the, you know there's no film in that camera. Right. And they kept it in. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, you, like, even at that time, I didn't know that they edit those things. I didn't right. know how that worked. But it was in there. Yes. The crowd is finding their seats. He's walking out. He, right. uh, You know the story. He had just bombed the other two tapings or something. So, uh-huh. like, he was looking for a way to knock himself, my interpretation, off his own axis. Right. Because that's where stand-up lives. It lives in the, on the edge of the knife. It lives right. in the moment. So he's like, I'm going to go out. While, while I shouldn't go out, because that's funny already. And Pryor had just had some controversy in the news, because he just, he, like, pulled a gun and his, his wife. Shot his car. Time. Yeah. It's funny how quickly he wrote that But bit. he pulled a gun on his wife. I know. <laughs> like, Isn't he, that good He spin? shot the car, Isn't but that good spin? he actually pulled a gun on his wife. I know. And he was lucky he didn't go to jail for that. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Isn't that weird that yeah. that became a great bit? And yeah. I'm like, it's a great bit. Poor, like, a poor people believed terrified in, woman. He owned his damage. Yeah. Yeah. No, I know that that's one of the things that has come up with the Louis conversation. Right. Uh, which which honestly I don't even want to get into because everyone no, we can gets talk so about mad about I, whatever you say. About but I yeah. will say that prior in the same situation would, would, would talk about it, I feel like. Yeah. That's all I'm saying. Louis can do whatever he wants. You Why know do you what think I'm people are so mad in this about the Louis stand up? Like to me, I understand. I feel the proper anger is about his actions. Mm-hmm. I feel the anger and the stand-up I have is a, a bit improper. Yeah. Um, when what? I say improper, I mean I feel like it's it's the anger that is because of what he did. But if he hadn't done that and he's and he did those same jokes, and I'm talking specifically like like those Parkland jokes, which yeah. absolutely completely inappropriate. But inappropriateness is kind of his brand. I understand. Yeah. So I'm like, so why are people so angry about that? Dude, if Jim Norton and the did those jokes, jokes or, or right. uh, even Chris Rock or somebody did those jokes, it would be like, yeah, you're just working out. But the medium is part of the message. This is yeah. my argument. And uh, Louis, on one hand— Like there a was of, a lecturing from other comics is is part of it, too. What do you mean? What? Well, he not only faced like people saying, why is he doing this material, but— Comics felt they had to lecture him on comedy at this moment. Oh, really? Well, that's what it seemed like. like how can you do this material? I don't really read. Yeah. <laughs> I really don't. I understand that people were upset. Right. What I'm saying is Louis represents, it seems, many things to many people. Right. On one hand, to a lot of the comedy community, he represents a big thing in our community, which is no one tells me what to do. Mm-hmm. That's a big running urge underneath us. It's right. like no one tells me what to do, especially on stage. So he represents something that's, you know, powerful and, and real and important, mm-hmm. which is free speech and artistic free speech. Right. So some people look at Louis and they see that. Mm-hmm. And they go, if you're going to castrate him for his sins, what are you going to do to my sins? You know what I mean? There's a little bit of a fear mm-hmm. where it's like, look, I've done fucked up shit or I've thought fucked up shit or whatever it is. I'm trying to project onto mm-hmm. him what they might be projecting. And, and I can feel that too. It's like, if we're going to do this to him, how are we going to treat all of us? Mm-hmm. Ah! So there's this panic there. And then he represents free speech. And then on the other hand, I think to a lot of people— Louis, uh, for better or worse, whether he likes it or not, represents a type of abuse. And it's it's really mm-hmm. the first page of the abuser's handbook. The Louis as the person you're talking about. Or well, are you talking about Louis as the performer? As the performer specifically because when you do something mm-hmm. and then act like nothing happened, in the only way that we talk to him, mm-hmm. which is on stage, right? he's acting. And, and like for people that I know personally that have been abused, the most hurtful thing that can happen is that they act like nothing happened. They just walk in the room and oh, they're absolutely, like, right. you know, uh, baby carrots are a myth. <laughs> right. I don't care what he's talking about. It, it's sort of hurtful that he's just sort of, to some, 
gliding back in. And I, that's why, look, and he can. This is where it gets complicated. Mm. My, my beliefs lie in the middle. He can do whatever he wants. My feeling is, wouldn't it be nice if he would go in Pryor's book and find that elevated, interesting way to evolve and share what he's learned through all of this and not just go back? Right away to to standard material, mm-hmm. wouldn't it? I mean, is, is, wouldn't you enjoy to uh, see that? I didn't put Louis on a pedestal. I guess the way a lot of people did, so I don't look for him to yeah. soothe me. Uh, <laughs> I saw him doing jokes about jerking off rats, and I'm like, well, Louis, why are you making uh, being a degenerate <laughs> part, right. part of stand up? I thought his stuff was smart and everything, you know, but I never elevated him. And See, look, I love and look Louis. To him for I, I thought he was great. I, I thought Louis was really funny. You I know? think Louis is great. I, but there I was, think there's there's there was there's a lot a of thing. depravity in his act too. For you know, sure, that he was kind of excused. And excused that wound, for, we're yeah. talking about Pryor. We're talking right. about Miles Davis came up in this conversation. Yeah, there's a lot of wounded people. So right. he, what I'm saying is, I get it. Yeah. I'm glad I did Jim Norton show. I'm glad Jim is get ranting and defending Louis. Mm-hmm. And I'm glad Judd is tweeting about standing with the Parkland victims. Right. You know what I'm saying? It's it's in the middle way where yeah. I, you see the side of both people. I just wish we could understand that yeah. and not want to convert everybody to our side and just be like, look, I'm glad people are ranting in his defense. I'm glad people are speaking up for people that are upset because, you know, people have a right to be offended. People have a right to right. feel upset. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> yeah, I just, I guess for me, I don't have a strong opinion about it. Oh, know? interesting. I, I think that's where I lie, where people have a strong opinion that he shouldn't do this or that he should do that. I'm, because I'm naturally contrary, I guess. I feel like I don't have a strong opinion about Louis C.K.'s stand up comedy. Interesting. It's like, it's jokes, you know? Why? I feel like what Trump is doing with these. I just, you've never <laughs> seen like, I, I hear it's that. It's hard for me to I get worked that. up about somebody's jokes, I guess, is what, I hear that. Is what it is. No, there's, yeah. a, there's more important yeah. things going on. Uh, for sure. I agree with that. I want to talk about um, your beginnings yeah. a little bit, you know, because I know you talk about uh, growing up religious. How did, what, when you say growing up religious, what do you mean by that? Well, like, you know, like it was a strict household. Uh, no, that's uh-huh. that's where you should start. Is is, okay. is is it's not really from my parents. Like uh-huh. a lot of times, you have that idea that it's going to be John, John Paul, and Mary Beth, and we're all going right. to be wearing like the same <laughs> right. white gown, and yeah. Dad prays and cries whiskey or whatever it might be. It's not that. Sure, very pretty normal. I mean, my family's fucking crazy, but like right. yeah. s- religiously pretty normal. They sent us okay. to church because it's like it's what people do. How many brothers and sisters? Just one brother. Okay, is and he older? Or younger? He's older. Okay, and my parents are very. You know, they want to be normal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> They're kind of like aliens. Yeah. And they're like, people go to church, and uh, that's what we'll do. And then we went, and and what I think makes my story a little bit unique is I didn't really get it from my parents as much as I got it from the church. okay. Like, they dropped me at the church. Right. Okay, this is where you want me to be. (laughs) And I believed it. They didn't didn't necessarily expect or anticipate that I would believe it. Mm -hmm. But that was a key part of it was, like, I was a very naturally curious about reality Mm -hmm. child. Mm -hmm. I still am. Mm-hmm. Like I, I can really get pretty deep, yeah. <laughs> just wondering what I com- reality is. Completely, I used to when I, I remember being a kid. Well, thinking, this is why we both love magic. Yes, but I used to think about death. I mean, this is so horrible. I used to obsess about death right when I was going to sleep. Pete. Yeah, I, I can't believe my ten-year-old brain. Yeah. Would do that type of thing, you know. Well, when, I mean, that's a natural time to think about it. Yeah. I mean, you're about to, who you are, the story of who Larry is, yeah. that you tell yourself. Right. 
I'm from this town. I have this many brothers and sisters. I like pizza. Yeah. I like this. Goes away. When you sleep, that guy doesn't exist. And it just didn't make sense. And when like, you wake, how can you be asleep dream theory doesn't exist. Yeah, I'm like, how can you be asleep forever? What does that even mean? That's a great question. Yeah. I, it, I still haven't answered it. I mean, one it, there's many thoughts. <laughs> many, yes. many schools of thought on that. But, but I'm in, right there with you. I was the uh-huh. kid. You were caught up in the religiosity or the religious. Well, that I call that my what is this. Okay. So I was a what is this kid. It appealed to your brain. It just appealed to my essence. Like, even beyond okay. my brain. I just like... I liked looking at a fire and going, what the fuck is fire? Uh-huh. And people would go, it's the rapid oxida- oxidation. <laughs> right, right, right. You know, they tell you what fire is in yeah, the yeah, textbook. Yeah. And it'd be like, fuck you. <laughs> like, that's what my brain was. Yeah. I, I wasn't aggressive. I was very sweet about it. I was yeah. like, yeah, but you don't know. These are thoughts that I would later have on mushrooms. You know what I mean? I'd be like, right. yeah, but you don't know. Like, uh-huh. you, no one knows what's going on here. Yeah. And that's a huge revelation not to just know intellectually but to feel in your bones that we don't know what's going on here sure that the capital m mystery is fucking real and i applaud science and every all the great minds that we've had that give us bridges and iphones and cures to diseases and vaccines and and a lot of fucking beautiful mathematical answers to what's happening but underneath it all you gotta giggle and go (laughs) we're doing okay but we know 0.0001 percent of what the fuck is happening here and that's incredible that's incredible that's not a scary thought that's Mm -hmm. like whoa so you send me to church, that kind of kid. I couldn't articulate it the way that I just did when I was a kid. I was right. more like, just like, what the, what's going on? Mm-hmm. I was interested in ghosts. I was interested in UFOs. I wanted to know about Bigfoot. I wanted to know about magic. Mm-hmm. Fascinated in magic because that magic is, we can get into this. Magic is always showing you something that shouldn't be. Yeah. And more important than like the illusion or how it was performed, it gives you that feeling of if that shouldn't be, why should anything be and what else shouldn't be and what should be. It yeah. just, it questions reality. There's always two components of magic that appealed to my brain. One was that I have some knowledge that you don't have. <laughs> you know? mean performing it. Yes. Yeah. You know, it's withholding and, a punchline. Yeah. Yes. And the other was, uh, there is going to be a sense of wonder that is going to exist in you that I find one of the most fascinating things in the world. And I'm going to manufacture that for you. Yes, yeah. but because I like that feeling myself. That's right. You know, that's why to this day. That's why people they don't they, they don't, don't understand. understand. They, they really don't, they don't want understand. to know how things are done. But they also don't yeah. understand the the intention of the magician. Just like the comedian isn't trying to fool you. Yeah. That's why the heckler's like, fuck you. He's like threatened <laughs> that you're making his girlfriend laugh or whatever. Uh-huh. When really we're, we're servants. We're right. here to serve you. And the magician is there to serve you. But to this right. day, I had a magician on my Largo show. and, and or, Well, he was hanging out. And uh-huh. he did a trick for Sarah Silverman. <laughs> and she the whole time was like, what's that? Where's the card? You know, yeah. she was doing that thing. And I was like, I yelled at her, you know, in a Comedians joking way. Comedians are the enemy like, of magic. Sarah, many times, yeah. he's trying to <laughs> delight you. Stop it. Yes, you're right. He's not a wizard. He's yes. here to help. I know. Same side. Dwarves and elves. Like, we're all fighting monotony yeah. and horrible feelings. No we're, one goes to Hamilton and says, wait, stop. When did uh, right. when did he rap like that? Yeah. Wait, okay, you stop. Memorize yeah. <laughs> yeah. You memorize that. You memorize that. Why is it so personally no insulting? Theater. You're agree. supposed to suspend your disbelief That's in performance. Right. Dionysus, yeah. get some wine in you. Yeah. Fucking yield. Yield, you stupid. Very nice. Dumb dumb. Yeah. Uh, I'm not calling Sarah a dumb dumb. I'm saying all of us That's are right. dumb dumbs to yeah. a certain extent. 
I love Sarah. Anyway, <laughs> so you take that what is thisness and right. then you put it in church. Yes. And you go, these guys don't, not only do they have answers, they have really old answers. Mm-hmm. And then you add on top of that, mm-hmm. they're wearing khakis and they have keys and they have cars and they sure. have wallets. I just believed grownups. And what church did you come up in? Non-denominational. Non-denominational. That's, that's kind of just code okay. for evangelical. We Got were it. an evangelical church. Yeah, so it was kind of the fire and brimstone. A little you bit. You get that we were polite you're born it. again type of thing. That, Dude, I mean, if were you, you baptized had, and dunked in the water, that full immersion. Right. I was baptized when I was a baby in the Catholic mm-hmm. Church, and then I was baptized again. Okay, when I was 18. so you started in the Catholic Church, and then you had the second. Baptism. Again, my, you can just see my parents mm-hmm. going like, "What do we do? What dunk the baby?" <laughs> like they're just trying to fucking figure it out. <laughs> right. And then when I was eighteen, I elected to be baptized Got again uh, because we believed in a free will baptism, where you, mm-hmm. like Jesus, decide to be baptized. Full immersion in a river. I wasn't in a river. I was in a fucking chlorinated tank <laughs> behind the pulpit. Yeah. But um, that was important to me. So I, but if I, you you were mentioning a fire and brimstone, we didn't like to necessarily talk about it. But if you really peeled it back, we were in the afterlife insurance business. Mm-hmm. We were big believers that this life is a is a holding place. It's a it's a test. Mm-hmm. Your behavior is being scrutinized. Your thoughts are being scrutinized. And and when you die, the thoughts, because let's talk, beliefs are thoughts. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? I believe that Jesus died for my sins is a thought, and you hold it in your head. And I thought that if I, if I held on to it and rethought it every, every once in a while, every couple times a day maybe, it would get in there enough. I, I definitely believe it because I think mm-hmm. it all the time. Then I die, God would crack open my skull, scan my brain like a UPC code, mm-hmm. find that thought and go, all right, he's with us. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It's like believing the Red Sox are number one. You know, like he can come in the clubhouse. <laughs> so that that was my faith was we we didn't want to go to hell. And I believe them. Mm-hmm. So I'm like you, Larry. Almost a, almost I was anti, afraid of death. Anti-punishment type of. It was absolutely yeah. to avoid pain. Right. It was to, and and like when you have the sales pitch mm-hmm. of no one knows what happens when we die, but they they make that better. They go, we do know what happens when you die. Mm-hmm. It's one of two things. And then you put the clock on it, like a sports game. Yeah. You go, the, you're going to die. And you don't know when. I've always, That's a pretty. This is one of the reasons why religion can thrive is because you go, yeah. you're going to die. So you have a need. I have a product. Salvation. Yeah. I'll give it to you. So it wasn't about inner transformation. It wasn't about any sort of like, mm-hmm. uh, well, the best word for it is transformation. It wasn't about any sort of rebirth inside of me. Sure. It was about having the right thoughts that when I died, beliefs, that when I died, I would go to the right place. And that's when real Hedging life would bet. begin. Yeah, right. that's right. This mm-hmm. ain't my home. I'm just passing through. So no booze, no no smoking, no drinking, mm-hmm. but mostly uh, a lot of worrying and this feeling was kind bad of your, that everyone your I knew was going to field that was going to guard you in your life. That's right. Uh, so then my wife leaves me, and I'm like, "What the fuck?" Yeah. <laughs> well, because I was going to ask, because there's two ways that you can approach this, and I've always found a conflict in religion. I won't say conflict, but when I uh, kind of bring it up with people. Back in the day, just because I like to argue about everything, or not sure. really argue, but just discuss and debate, is faith versus works, you know? Right. And uh, there are some people, you know, there's some camp that believe that the mere belief in the thing, the faith, if you will, the, I like to call it the agreement on the myth. I'm not saying sure. it's a myth, but you're agreeing on a myth. That uh, I would say myth is the only language we have to talk about God. It really is. But yeah, but metaphor is the only way we can talk completely, about God. Completely. What you know, God could be talked about literally isn't a God worth worshiping. Myth That's is all about think. agreement. 
right? Sure. And uh, and that's like to me, I'll go even beyond thought. You're really making an agreement to this myth, right? Yeah. And it's that agreement that gives you the salvation, you know, as opposed to there's a certain type of works that one has to do in their life to get to something. Like you're building something, you're collecting stars, <laughs> you know, you're collecting things. Like Pac-Man. Yeah, you know, you have a an account of your life type of thing as opposed to a belief in something, you know? You know? Yeah. And I find both of those, they're interesting. You know, I've always kind of gone on the collecting stars route, you know, when— the way that I saw my life, you know, yeah. and um, the way that I felt if religion was going to play a part in my life, that's how it should play a part, you know. I understand that. It's very right. practical and it's very rational. It's very practical, <laughs> yes. No, it is. I, I would like, argue— Like, I demystify—I always wanted I hear to that. demystify. I'm going to remystify that. Yes, okay. <laughs> remystify for me. No, I'm just going to remystify because <laughs> mm-hmm. the ego will always choose a journey over a destination. You know what uh-huh. I'm saying? If I said you could be enlightenment— you could be enlightened, right. or you could go on a journey that leads to enlightenment. The yes. ego will always choose the journey because it doesn't want to evaporate. Mm-hmm. It doesn't want to go away. It wants to continue to exist. Mm-hmm. So it goes like, I'll go on this journey. And the journey really isn't about getting there. It's about collecting stars. And that's what we're all sort of right. doing. Yes. And I understand that. Yeah. When it comes to faith versus works, though, um, to me, my church— I'll just speak for me. Like, mm-hmm. we were all doing impressions of what we thought holiness was. Uh-huh. That's me, funny. Because we, mm-hmm. as opposed to what I believe now, which is if you achieve some sort of enlightenment or mm-hmm. you realize some sort of divine unity with all things, mm-hmm. let's say that's a possibility. Chances are, if you do that, you probably aren't an asshole. Mm-hmm. You probably are patient. You probably are kind. You probably don't binge porn. It depends what that enlightenment gives you. I suppose. If but the I, enlightenment tells you that anyone that doesn't believe what you believe needs to be killed— I don't know if that's—well, I don't say that's enlightenment. That's some sort of conviction or manifesto. I'm going with the Buddhist uh-huh. idea that enlightenment means you see the unified consciousness. Mm-hmm. And those people don't tend to murder people. They also tend to not mm-hmm. be drug abusers or, or alcoholics, and they tend to not beat their wives, and they tend to not want to murder anybody. Mm-hmm. But what we were doing was we were In acting, all fairness, Buddha is sitting down all the time. Yeah, you know, and he looks he very relaxed. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Jesus very, is struggling on a cross for goodness sake. I mean, he was a he was a for Christ's sake. <laughs> <laughs> what I'm saying is, what we were doing instead of having the transformation, we were behaving, pretending as mm-hmm. if it had happened. Right. So it was like you know taping oranges to your tree. Mm-hmm. You're like, these are my oranges. I'm growing oranges. Uh-huh. When really, my patience was just because I thought it was good to be patient. Now I'm like, if you really wake up to kind of who you really are and lock into that place, mm-hmm. chances are you'll be patient. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Chances are you'll be kind. Mm-hmm. But it's it's cart before the horse to be kind, to appear holy. Become holy. Then you'll be then you'll be kind. Yeah, I just— before I Before that, the, be an asshole. <laughs> That's right. who you are. I feel the opposite. <laughs> I feel actions actually determine what you are, you know? Like the— the sum of your life at the end of the day is what you did, not how you felt about something, you know. That's interesting. Well, we measure people by that. I mean, from the, I mean, Jesus didn't feel like he was the son of God. He died on the cross. I mean, that opened up the whole religion. See, I would disagree. And I did, feel like he that's did, ego stuff. He did, he did miracles. He did. Yeah, that's all yeah. mind stuff. Jesus yeah. also said, you will do far greater things than these. Jesus also do, said. Do. Okay. <laughs> you just used the right words. You will do far greater Meaning, things. Meaning. What I'm doing is for yes, you to do. Actions. I don't know, man. We're talking about different you things. You just used the words. You just said do. Yeah, I, I know. I know. <laughs> I understand what you're saying. Right. 
I'm I saying did, that I, is that I, is the record of hu- of humans is your actions, you know, of what I you think did, it's how of you how do. you treat people. It's not people. what you're doing when you're doing what you're doing. Of course it is. How you treat people is what is uh, what your record is. I would take an and, honest and asshole over a phony holy any day. If no, you but want, it, it's what you've it's what you've done in the world. Like for instance, when you say that, here's the thing. Uh, when I, I when I look at civil rights, for instance, hmm. like. If you tell me LBJ used the N-word, I probably agree with you. Am I happy that he signed the civil rights legislation? Absolutely. Would I rather have somebody in there who never used the N-word but refused to sign that? Sorry, I'm not signing up for that. You're the, right. the failing of a human being compared to the, the superiority of their actions, I will take every single time. Because we all, I think all of us as humans are failing. Hmm. You know, and it's, it's our actions by which we redeem ourselves. I suppose I, I would rather our actions be an indication of an inner life, because all whether this, it is or not, all I, I, I disagree. Because let me put this to you: a Buddhist mm-hmm. teacher, like a Zen teacher, yeah, can beat his student in a way that beat beat attack his student, okay, <laughs> in a way that is loving and corrective and teaching. In that situation, do, as opposed, do you know that cultures feel that it is. It is humane to rape a child to rid them of AIDS, and their and yeah, their no, intent I'm aware is. Of that. But their intent is pure. It's very good. That's a horrible action. You're absolutely right. It's a horrible action. Yes. So what what is in their heart is irrelevant to me. Stop raping that child. Stop I, it. I hear that. <laughs> and then know? when you're done not raping that child, just stop first, and then I we agree. can talk. No, I I agree. Right. Well, I'm saying when right. you when you stop doing things yes. like that, the next step would be let's let's clean up the inner bonus world. land. I agree. I just, I just happen to think that, like, the story of what, yeah, it's hard with these examples, man. You're 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 making me rethink <laughs> what I'm saying. That's a, but there's nothing wrong. There's no, nothing no, wrong I that. know. I, Look, I think it's I, I'm not saying that. I'm saying this is the way that I view it. Not that you have to believe what I believe. No, no, you know? no. But I, I'm obviously, saying, actions are important. Uh, and to me, it's easier when there's I'm nothing about more important than polity in the church. You know, sanctuary. but to me, there's nothing more important than actions. The whole history of slavery is the act of enslaving people. There are many people who, they said they loved their slaves. Sorry, motherfucker, you still had them as slaves. Yeah, that's, that's an true. action. That's it doesn't true. matter. I don't care if Massa loved me. Massa still got me as a slave. Fuck yeah. you, Massa. You got some big guns, man. But it's like, <laughs> fuck you, Massa, release me, and then we can have a polite conversation right. about right. love and not love. Obviously, But we, your actions are enslaving. It's the same thing with the women's movement. It's men who have mistreated women and said, yes, I love my wife. Motherfucker, you are not letting your wife be a real a, a, a whole person by your actions. Yeah, I, I, I you know hear what abusers. You're it's classic abuser behavior, by the way. Men who abuse women, baby, I love you. You know, come on. And it's how they keep them in the cycle of abuse by love <laughs> language, but not by love actions. Yeah, that's right. I I, yeah. I hear. I agree that's with everything you're saying. That's why I gave a lot of different types of examples. By the way, that, remember that when I was starting, I was talking about. Patience and kindness, so phony stuff, right? Like appearing holy. Well, I'm just saying, which thing, like which thing is ways. is the most important? Was what I was saying. If we want to talk the in the macro, I mean, like, yeah, obviously, right. we need to take care of each other. I would rather, in a perfect world, yeah, somebody free their slaves because they realize that there's no difference. I could care them. less. Yeah, See, I know. I stopped the sentence right there. Yeah, like I could care less how Abraham Lincoln really felt about it. It's more important that he signed yeah. the Emancipation, Emancipation, Emancipation Proclamation. Blah 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 blah. Like it's just more important, you know. His own heart is, is his own relationship 
with his creator well, that's and all the, that's that stuff. The, you're right. None of my business. It is my business. When we're talking about what furthering, laws he's passing. When we're talking right. about furthering the story of humanity, right. which we both agree is super important, especially in increasing compassion mm-hmm. and love and decreasing suffering and pain. So that, but I'm saying there's mm-hmm. two different things at play. Right. There's the story of humanity, and then there's the inner transformation of your soul. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm arguing. Yeah. So there's what you're doing. Sure, do good things. But if there is another game at play, mm-hmm. which is you waking up, then there's there's something right. even deeper behind what we're doing. I, the, where I'm not on your train is where you say, sure, do good things. I'm like, no, <laughs> do good things. Not sure. Right. Hopefully you will. You know. Right. Mm. No, definitely do good yeah. things. Yeah. I, I, but the, the question is like who's doing the good thing? Is an important. That's question. where we disagree a little bit. That's okay. You don't think there's? Uh, I, I guess what we're dealing with. I am not as interested in personal transformation in the public square as much as I'm interested in civility in the public square. I hear that. You know. I think where I think I maybe I've you know honed and in because on through civility I think you can have transformation. I put. I I just have it in a different order. Yes, we want the same thing, but we just have it in different orders. That's all. I, I, yeah. I hear that, and yeah. I think I, I, I maybe have honed in right. on why we're— um, It's as important to teach a child to do the right thing as to have a certain set of values, which your values ultimately are related to behavior. Otherwise, what are values? If not related to behavior, what are they? That's, that's completely valid. Like, good is only defined by your actions, not by just as, you know, some ephemeral feeling of good. See, that's an interesting question. It's only defined by your actions. Otherwise, what is it? I used to have a. I'm just sitting feeling nice. A, <laughs> I used to have a bit about people confuse stupid with nice. Yeah, and that's funny. Mm. Where it would be like, I'm nice because when I see your sweatshirt, I think of 15 burns about it, mm-hmm. and I don't say any of them. That's nice, right? You know, Consider. Momo down at. You know, I don't want to. I don't want to paint a picture <laughs> right. of no, a dumb I, guy, I, I know but some dumb guy, up. yeah, who just says like. <laughs> Beautiful day today. Yeah. That guy's not nice. He, he just doesn't have any good. He doesn't have any good snaps. <laughs> but here, here's what I was going to say: was uh-huh. I'm looking at uh, the idea of reincarnation, meaning there's a bigger game at play. Oh, reincarnation. That's what I'm saying. So if you're, are you a believer in reincarnation? I'm certainly open to it. And this model uh-huh. of of enlightenment usually operates in the idea of reincarnation. Right. So when I say the story of humanity, I'm so saying non-Christian of you. I would disagree. <laughs> you know, people asked if Jesus was uh, Elijah. You know, people asked if John the if John the Baptist. There is was re- some wiggle room in there, right? There was a lot of references to reincarnation in the yeah. Bible. Many of them were taken out. Trenton, Trenton, uh, yeah. Constantinople. But a lot of them are still in there. When the disciples bring a blind man to Jesus, they say, "Did he sin, or did his parents sin, or was it something he did before he was born?" Yeah, it's an idea of reincarnation. So I, I don't think Christianity is uh, excludes the idea of of reincarnation. Yeah, I, I think it probably opens more doors to a lot of things sure. than it closes them. But if we are looking at a model of we do this over and over and over and uh-huh. over and over, then, and only then, the story of humanity sort of becomes what we're, the stuff that we're working with mm-hmm. to achieve a larger goal, which is to wake up to your true divine nature. Yes. So— when you say only actions matter, I'm like, yes, on the scope of if this is our only time around, all we have is what we have. Let's be good to each other. I'm completely with you. Mm-hmm. If we're on a loop where we're going to do this until we fucking figure it out, 
who you are inside has way more to do, is way more important than just doing good things. Doing good things is always important, but your inner transformation at that point, if you're going to do what Buddha did and wake up, or Christ and wake up, then then your inner world is as important as as being kind uh, on the outside. Very good, Pete Holmes, the <laughs> the philosopher. What are you throwing a commercial? <laughs> Pete Holmes, no. Um, you brought up uh, uh, your divorce. You yeah. got you got married pretty young. How dare you? <laughs> <laughs> no, you brought it up. You opened the door. I your did. Honor, he opened the door to the conversation. I did. Yeah. I got um, married when I was twenty two. Twenty two. Yeah. Did Did it feel like that was young at the time? Where? Oh you, yeah. Uh-huh. Did, did your parents <laughs> tell you you shouldn't do it? Or? Only my dad. My dad was uh-huh. like, I think he said, like, don't you want to sow your oats? Oh, that's some funny. weird. Code. That's an awkward conversation. I right? know. Yeah. And you know what I felt at the time? I was like, where, where? I love my dad, but like, we weren't super close. So uh-huh. it's like, you can't swoop in now. Like, <laughs> like if I could go back, I'd be like, you lost me a long time right. ago. How are we going to talk about sowing oats now? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. it, it was like, a, I, and again, my dad worked very hard mm-hmm. and he did his best with what he had. But like, you should have seen it coming with the like, Going to church three times a week, mm-hmm. and and the and the starched Oxfords and the khakis, mm-hmm. and suddenly I got the high and tight haircut. Like <laughs> intervene a little sooner. Did you feel like this is going to sound weird, but did it feel like an idealized version of you? It was an idealized version. Sure. Of you. I mean, now looking back, it is. Yeah. But did you, you feel can anything see in the where moment? the beginnings uh-huh. of actions mm-hmm. being less important than your inner world? Because yeah. I should have been more honest to my inner world. Right. My actions were perfect. Yeah. I was sweet. I was good. I uh-huh. didn't smoke. I didn't drink. I didn't right. swear. And I married the first girl that ever gave me a blowjob. Right. I did everything Whoa. correct. See, once again, you brought that up. I did. Yeah. <laughs> I did, man. I've told that story many times. When she went High school sweetheart or college. college when she went okay. down on me, I was like, We're gonna get married. Wow. I didn't even enjoy it. I was thinking about caterers. <laughs> I, I literally was Wait, like— <laughs> A blowjob goes to caterers? Or? I was like, when are we going to get married? That's really? all I, I— I didn't even love it because— Were you a virgin? Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. And we we eventually had sex, but, like, then we stopped. This is the most Christian thing I've ever done. We stopped uh-huh. having sex and then resumed on our wedding night. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of an odd thing, isn't it? Super, like, it's like, what is this nasty, terrible thing we're doing? Before? Well, you know what? I, I wasn't even really enjoying the sex we were having because it was really? so complicated. Premarital sex was like one of the biggest no-nos you could do. Yeah. So you can't, some people would. So you felt guilty. I felt guilty, yeah. Mm-hmm. I felt bad about it. And to get rid of that guilt, yeah. marriage was we the got way married. to do yeah, yeah, it was the best thing to do. And how long were you married? Seven years. Wow. Six years. We were together seven years. I was married. I think there's a line in... By the way, I love the way you handle a lot of these issues in Crashing. Oh, thanks. Um, I I think it's difficult to do the stand-up type of life and have issues in it that are provocative. And I think you're drawing from your own life and everything. I just have to give you props for... I appreciate that. It's a very naturalistic, but underneath that naturalism, there's a lot of issues that you're bringing up. And one, I think there's an observation about... uh, 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 why you, when it's seven years, there's something else at play there, right? There is something else at play. Yeah. Uh, well, she was at her primary reproductive years. Yes. That that episode actually hasn't aired. My, say season three, I start dating a girl yes. who's an actuary. She's fantastic, by the oh, way. Oh, you've seen it? Yes. So I've that's seen what about, you're five, about five of the oh, episodes. Oh, I'm honored. Yeah. So that's, yeah. we are talking about the same thing. Yes. She breaks down the idea that the age my wife was, which is true, what when is the she left. Name? 
Her name is uh, Madeline Wise. She's fantastic, she's by amazing. the way. She's, you guys are really good together. I really appreciate that. Yeah, yeah. She's, she's incredible, and I think people are going to fall in love with her. Because she's unpredictable. At first you think, well, what's y- your story predictor mind yeah. thinks this is going to be a disaster. Then you go, oh, no, she might be redemptive. Oh, wait, she's kind of a loose cannon. Oh, wait, right. she's being drawn as a human. Right, you know, right, yeah. right, right. And I'm like, good for you, Pete Holmes. I That's, appreciate yeah. that. And, you know, Madeline had a lot to do with that, and, and yeah. a lot of the females uh, specifically on the staff were yes. careful. We, we were all being careful. It's really well done. But we leaned on the women to be like, let's not do this. Yeah. Let's not do the crazy girlfriend. Yes, exactly. We wanted to do the, the Pete drove her crazy girlfriend. Right. When yeah. you look at it, you're yeah. like, my withholding New England waspy nature. <laughs> oh, God, nature. that was so painful. But that was so normal for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, the way that we're talking now has taken a lot of therapy and a lot of self-acceptance where you're just sort of like, I used to withhold how I felt mm. to seem like a good boyfriend. Mm-hmm. Again, it goes back to actions. I can relate to that. No, I can relate to that. That's yeah. why I'm sort of like, fuck my, I mean, yes, on the big scale that mm-hmm. you're talking about actions. Yes, actions. Mm-hmm. But then it's also like my actions, you know, were seemed good, but on the inside I was mm-hmm. slowly building a case to break up with the person. Right. And I would do that over and over and over. Yeah. And then I'd break up with them, they'd be shocked. And I'd be like, You didn't know I'm from New England? <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? This is what like uptight white people do. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> it's impolite to voice our complaints in real time. Yeah. So we just tell our friends about them and then one day we go. We need to talk, and then it's over. It sucks. That's a shitty thing to do. So, Pete yeah, by the time you talk, crazy. you've already made the decision. That's right. Yeah, it's over. Mm-hmm. The window closed. It's an unfair thing to do, and and mm-hmm. it sucks that I was that kind of person. But at least we get to make the show about it. And and is this you in the rear view uh, as you're writing this show? For sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's about me, like maybe five, six, seven, eight. Some years of it's ago. a little difficult because I'm like Pete's funny. I can't. I can't take too much of. People don't think of him as this great comedian. <laughs> <And> so, <laughs> like just the the audition at the cellar. I'm so yeah. like, what are you doing, Essie? How do you not see? <laughs> that was a tricky one because yeah. we wanted to do— Because you're so known as a, <laughs> as a really good comedian. Oh, I appreciate it's, that. But it's hard to dial that back. Like right. even being on stage, you just have a certain amount of charisma. I know. You know what I mean? I, it's weird to agree right. with you, but that's something that we had no, to work against. No, but it's against. true. We it's like, to be it's, like, it's hard to not be— Accomplish or the directors would I don't be know like, if accomplish is the right word. Something you're doing. There's a settledness that a it's your shoulders, that a confident, it's, your, yes. it's your neck. That's exactly right. It's a Hannibal Burris thing. He's like, yeah, you're up there, old, confident. Yeah, young yes. comedians cover their necks and their shoulders, and the audience feels like they're in good hands, and you can take them wherever you want. That's right. So yes. even when I was like bombing, there was something in my gait yeah. that said he's been doing this a while. So we would stop. What I would try to do was like. Don't move the mic stand with as much authority or yeah. like don't be as good with the microphone. You know, these are the mistakes people make. Yeah. But in the third season, I'm supposed to be getting better. Yes. So we needed me, uh, my character, to audition at the cellar yeah. but not get in. Right. But he had to do well. Yeah. And this was all Judge. Judge was like, he should do well. Yes. So we don't see it coming. Yes. And I was like, I have the bit. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I was like, I know the bit. And you're going to hate it. And it kills. And it's uh-huh. a bit about peeing in the pool. Yes. And it's not, I, I live tweeted it. I was like, it's not even true. Uh-huh. Like, that's such a new stand-up thing. They told us the water would turn red. No, it didn't. Yeah. First thing we did was pee in the pool. It didn't turn red. They right. did that to scare you. Sure. But I did the whole routine as if it was true. And yes. it's, it's like a very classic. Which, by the way, to pull back the curtain on stand-up, a lot of people don't realize, and this is going to sound up, but a lot of people don't realize that stand-up comedians lie. Some, yeah, sometimes. <laughs> But, it, you know, because we have to make the bit work. Right. And so sometimes we'll, well, I mean, we'll stretch the truth a bit or we'll say 
events that maybe happened in three ways happened in one way. That's that's the type you of know? lie that I'm still yeah. okay with. Right. I, I have a joke right now about being at a steakhouse and the guy that I was with was rude to the waiter. And then he was worried that they were going to spit in his steak. He mm-hmm. ordered a rare steak. And I was like, there's already blood in your steak <laughs> is the joke. So what, that, what really happened was I was at a steakhouse with my father-in-law. Right. He ordered a medium rare steak. And then I had that thought. Yeah. Isn't it weird that he would be grossed out if someone spit in his food, but it's fine that a cow bled in his food? And that's just an interesting observation. Yeah. But to bring the audience with me, I'll go, he was rude to the waitress. First yes. of all, I changed it to my friend because I don't want it to be yes, my father-in-law. Uh, yes, this is writing jokes. Yeah, yes. exactly. You're writing a myth, yes, actually. that's exactly You're right. You're conveying a feeling, not because a fact. <laughs> you want them to accept this idea that you know is funny, yeah. and so you have to work on the presenting of this thing that's in the middle there. That That is— That's how you write jokes, Absolutely. Right. And I, for your own benefit, I'm com- I'm compressing and I'm streamlining yeah. and simplifying you're something. Do- you're doing something nice for the audience. I, yes. Believe me. Yes. Like we could take a 10 minute break and I could <laughs> yes. tell you what I was really doing. Yes, but you don't want to hear but that. I was audience. at a steakhouse with my friend. Yes. Yes, it was my father in law. And no, he wasn't rude to the waiter. Yes. But I just want to get to my thing about how spit from one species and blood from another. Yes. That's exactly <laughs> right. I'm just going to make the side comment because people, I think, confuse authenticity of stand-up comedy with documentary of what actually happened. Yeah, that's right. In your life. And the authenticity to me is the message. Like you're authentic in your message and in who you are as a person. That's right. Like that's what's authentic. Because an absurdist comic like Stephen Wright is authentic because yeah. that's who he is. That's right. You know, that's how he sees the world. That's but right. he's not saying things that really happen. That's right. But you're yeah. getting a little visit into his brain. Into and his that's psyche. way better than hearing about what he did that day. Exactly. Who we cares don't... what you did that day? Tell exactly. me about yeah, your cesarean section. Exactly. Totally. I, I feel the same way about the Bible, by the way, when we were talking about the myth. Yeah. And so did, uh, you know, Semitic storytellers. They only cared about getting you to a place. Right. And, and I, when I was a kid, I used to be like, oh, if only we had filmed— the resurrection. And I'm like, yeah. it's not the point. Right. You're missing the point. Even Jesus spoke in parables. That, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Because there's some things you can only get at yeah. through like music and a feeling. And right. and, and, and those things are all the best things. <laughs> yeah. And do you feel like uh, in Crashing that you're working through something in these seasons? Like, are you working through the idea of like what you talked about, this um, New England waspy uh type of thing that maybe for you sabotages things? Or is it more of your philosophical religious thing? Because you talk about working on a Christian circuit, which that's that's part of my PTSD when yeah. I see stuff yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. And, and knowing like when you do this, at, uh, Pete does, there's really, a really, really funny scene where he's uh, working in front of a, a synagogue or yeah. a temple, I think it is. I yeah. did that in my early stand-up. Me too. I remember I, remember yeah. I had a joke. I said, what's that thing you guys wear in your head? Uh, oh, the yarmulke. I have a different one. It's called a yo mamaka or something like ah. that. Like, I, I, I did so many jokes like that. Did they that. love it? Yes, of course of they course. did. Because I was saying— Elon told me, he was like, they just want you to make an effort. <laughs> yes. No, but Pete, you're absolutely—I related so much to— And when he told you not to do that joke, and you did it anyway. Yeah. But I'm like, Pete's right. He yeah. should do— the, E-moil. Be the, you. Yes. And do the, your bridge jokes. The bridge over there. That's and right. And then you can do your other stuff, That's too. Right. You know? That's right. That's right. No, when I would do shows like that, I would almost exclusively talk about why they should listen to me. Like yeah. why, as a Christian, we share so much yeah. terrain. And I, I didn't do any of my old material. And that and that that is one of the lessons that my character has to learn. But yeah, you're you're And did that happen to you when you worked the let's say the Christian circuit? I don't know if there is a circuit or I guess you did is, a lot yeah. of gigs. Did you I didn't do the circuit. 
Okay. But I did Christian shows. Did you change your material in, yes. in, in terms of what you talked about? Yeah, I would do the jokes I wrote in my first year of stand-up. <laughs> really? It's the same thing I would do if yeah. I do a college, mm-hmm. when, and they're like, you have to be very clean. Mm-hmm. I was very fortunate. In my first couple of years of stand-up, I was very, very, very clean, mm-hmm. very, very Seinfeldy, And I still— if I'm in a tight spot, if I'm in Utah or I'm working this on a fucking cruise, yeah, do that joke. Yeah. Do that joke about spilling the beans or do that joke about ice packs. Like uh, it's, 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 it's still part of your tool belt. Yeah, I don't true. use it. I don't like the way it feels. I know. It's so funny. Yeah. I don't like giving them just like what I think they want as opposed to mm-hmm. making them want what I give. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. I would so much rather be seen as a three-dimensional person. Right. And that's ultimately what my character has to choose. He's making a lot of money, and he's in a very cushy spot. It's not a big deal that they're like, don't swear, because he doesn't really swear on stage. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, that's that's one of the ways that we track his progress. But, yeah, this, the show is very psychologically difficult for me to shoot. <laughs> mm-hmm. How do you like doing sitcoms and that type of writing as opposed to what you've been doing is the stand-up style of writing? Are you enjoying it? Do you find it a challenge? I I love it. I, mm-hmm. I, I like script writing a lot because, you know, it's almost like you can write what the audience does. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know, you go, you say this, and then they laugh. And I don't just mean the stand-up. I mean, right. it's a little bit more athletic, if that makes sense. You, uh-huh. I say this, and Larry says this. Right. And I like the the control and the, and the specificity of, like, Larry takes a bite of his donut. I write that in the fucking script. Right. <laughs> You know what I mean? Yes, the door you're the opens. Master, it yes. feels great. It's a yeah. different type of it creativity. Is. I agree. Stand up. I'm I doing enjoy it a on lot, stage. Mm-hmm. I'm finding it, and it's very organic. It almost feels like shamanistic or something. It's like we're finding it together. Mm-hmm. A script is like you're alone. You're talking to yourself. Mm-hmm. I'm a, like if I was writing a scene with you, I'd be imagining you, right. almost like invoking your voice and mm-hmm. shocking myself. That I'm like. That is what Larry would say. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> sure. And that gives you, you a different thrill. It's just you alone with a laptop. But, like, I really enjoy writing. And I'm very fortunate that it, it comes very uh, quickly for me. Uh-huh. It's, like, about cleaning up the channel and, like, listening to the episode. It's really fun. Has Has it made you rethink anything by doing this material? Anything about whether it's your— you know, your values or way, the way you're looking at the world or relationships? Like, has the process of dramatizing some of these things made you rethink anything in your personal life? It's interesting. Sometimes I wonder what Val, my wife, now, mm-hmm. we talk about it, though. Mm-hmm. I'm like, am I a monster? Because I, <laughs> I look at the show and I'm a like, monster. what am I doing? Like, uh-huh. who, I, when I was that guy, I thought I was right. Yeah, my father always thinks he's right. I, I always want to write on my uh, mirror. Don't forget, you might be wrong. Yeah, I think that's like a super important thing to remember. Because mm-hmm. when I was 28 and I thought all these things, I thought I was right. Yeah, you know what I mean. And here I am. I'm 39, and I think all these new things. I'm talking about fucking reincarnation in the Bible. Don't mm-hmm. forget, you might be wrong. Like right. that's a very powerful thing. Well, so it's, when kind of, it's kind of your philosophy from the beginning. That's. Why you put that shield around you? Because you might be wrong. That's right. That's right. <laughs> yeah, yeah they, I needed help. I yes. was scared of being wrong. Right. So I built up some right. I got the right bricks, and I protected myself. Sure. Absolutely right. But you know, it does make you a little bit. I, th- I don't know if this is answering your question, mm-hmm. but it makes me less attached mm-hmm. to me and my story. Mm-hmm. And I actually really like that mm. because when you have a fight in real life, and then you reenact it ten years later on mm. a TV show. And you do that fight like five or six times. You write it, you rewrite it, then yeah. you shoot it, then you reshoot it, then you edit it. It makes you go like, I think of myself more as Pete. I go like, look at Pete. 
Pizza on the Larry Wilmore show today. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's a little. It, it's depersonalized in the good way. Because yeah. when you start taking your life and turning it into TV, you start taking it a little less personally. Yeah. Which actually is really psychologically beneficial. Mm-hmm. It's like I, I told you. I'm sorry. What is the, the text name? Craig. Craig. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, uh, Pete. Was I was a little grumpy when I came in because I gave you <laughs> yeah. a long time. I was like, yeah, there's Pete. He, he didn't have any breakfast. He yeah. had too much coffee. You know what I mean? You start going like. Interior podcast studio. Right. Craig is waiting diligently <laughs> with his laptop, yes. wondering what local celebrity Pete Holmes might be like. Enter mm-hmm. Pete in a huff. Pete, what the fuck? Where's Larry? <laughs> I, I didn't say that, but you know what I'm sure. saying? You start thinking of yourself in different terms, mm-hmm. and I, I really like that. Yeah. And again, ongoing apologies to Craig. <laughs> no, no. I wasn't even rude to him. I just, we no. just didn't talk. No, it's because you are a nice guy. You know, you think about those things. Mm. Um Anything, um, do you want to, do you think you might want to go to the film level in terms of a thing to do next? Or That's a great question, mm-hmm. you know. Like to it, keep exploring, keep going on this journey? Because it feels like you are on that journey. You know, you had your talk show at first, yeah. which presents you in a certain way to the public. And then this does something different to you, which as an artist makes you rethink like certain ways in which you want to present yourself. There's always, yes, you're right. That's kind of a messy way for me to kind of No, you've worn many hats. Mm -hmm. And like the more hats you wear, Mm -hmm. the more you're kind of like, what what hat would be after this? Because people are like, oh, papa, like crashing forever. And I'm like, well, even in a great success, it's Mm going to be five or six seasons. That's just... How sure, it absolutely. Is. And that's great. That's a that good run. That would be awesome. If we did a fourth a season, run. if we got a fourth season, please watch so we can. Uh, we would probably explore the feeling of getting like a small talk show. You know, like yeah. that's a very funny world. Yeah. It would be almost like a little, just a little Larry Sandersy because you think sure. that's what it was like when I had a talk show. I was like, I got a talk show. Nobody's yeah. watching. Nobody cares. Sure. But to you, it's very important. Yeah, um, I can relate to that. Of course, right? <laughs> I mean, but but to you, fuck what everybody yeah. else thinks. That's I your know. life. Those are your, that's your family. Absolutely. Those are your people. Yeah. It was crazy. So, um, I am interested in film. I'm in, I, I I am always like when crashing ends, I have like a little note in my phone. I'm like, here's what I would do. First and foremost is you're like, I'd like to tour as a stand-up again. You know what I mean? There you make a show about stand-up. Mm-hmm. You do it's it's kind of ironic. It is ironic that you lose your ability to do stand-up in the way that you always have. Yeah. Well, so, you, you're the silent observer. What do you mean? No, no one is knows that you're observing when you're just doing stand-up. Once you become a certain amount of notoriety, yeah. now you're the observed observer. Oh, I see. <laughs> Anyways, yeah. I just meant, like, I can't go out and tour. Like, this last special, yeah. I only got to take it to a couple cities. I, I right. worked it in L.A. ad nauseum. But I could only tour it to a couple cities. Yeah. And, you know, you look at Mulaney is a good friend of mine. And you're like, oh, you got a tour and you got merch yeah. and you you plan a route. And yeah. Val really likes doing that, too. And I'm like, that could be fun. Obviously, we have different a baby. Different lifestyle. That yeah, out. your father. It's a little bit different, obviously. Yeah. We'd figure it out. We'd, figure mm-hmm. it, we'd just do it on the weekends or whatever. Sure. Or she wouldn't come, unfortunately. Um, but that that is in there, that the autonomy, the no one tells me what to do right. stand-up is really beautiful. It's the wild, wild west. It's the wild yeah. west. You're just yeah. living and dying by each joke. I, I sort of sure. I, I look forward to doing that again. Yeah. And then I, I do have some movie ideas where I'm like, what is the cleanest way that I could get a certain feeling mm-hmm. to people? Like a magic trick. Right. Like if I have a feeling I want to give people, then you go, well, what is that? Is that a joke? Is that a movie? Is that a TV show? That's exactly how I think of it. Yeah, that's right. That is exactly the same way. Yeah. And then, and what's I the have, delivery system? Okay, there you right. go. And then yeah. you're sort of like, 
I do romanticize. I would like to write another book, but you're also sort of like, I do romanticize the feeling of like, I'm just going to kind of like hole up and finish the movie. I don't want to yeah. like sell a pitch. I want to like write the script yeah. and just be like, here's the fucking movie and see what we can do. With well, it. you, I think you're in a position to do that. You know, I hope so. I mean, that's yeah. one of the great things about this business, it seems, is there is a threshold that you cross. Mm-hmm. And uh, not to say that we ever stop working for it or earning our keep, but there seems to be a threshold that you cross, and it just goes, oh, you're one of the people that makes things. Yes. You know what I mean? You're Like you, Larry, you're one of the people that makes things. Yeah, and then the the conflict becomes the expectation. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. that's where you live in conflict for the rest of your career. Right. Can <laughs> I live up to yes, my own expectations? <laughs> they have to deal with that, you know. Um, interior, Pete and Larry wrap up the podcast. <laughs> Larry's thinking of a clever way to thank Pete for doing his podcast. Larry, Larry, regretfully. Larry. Thanks for being Larry, here. Larry, cheerfully. <laughs> Pete, thank you so much for stopping by. I wish you only the best with crashing. To me, it's not crashing. It's launching. It's I, really launching a career. It's very kind uh, of you. Pete. Pete says. Oh. Oh, he says very kind of me. Pete says very kind of you. Love talking to you. Love seeing you. Yeah. And um, guys, watch Crashing. You're really going to enjoy it. It's such a sweet story. It's got so much in it that is entertaining. You know, whether it's— I appreciate it's, that. Yeah, because the stand-up itself is entertaining. And by the way, I'll just talk about one episode really quick mm. that I really think is important to see. It really reminded me of, of the old stand-up days in a way that was really interesting. And it's an episode I won't give up too much, but where there's a really hostile comic on stage. Yeah. And the hostility comes out with the point of view. And it really represented kind of this dinosaur that all of us have worked with, yeah. you know, at, at one point. And But never got punished in my day when I was doing stand-up. But you punish this character in a way that I think is very interesting on the show. And you let the female character do yeah. the talking, which I thought is fantastic. That's right. Yeah. It's kind of a microcosm of yes. what happened. Which yeah. is funny when you consider we were writing the show. Yes. Like a year ago. Yeah. <laughs> but it's such a uh, kind of... It's really in the zeitgeist right now. It's yeah. kind of of our times without... And it's not done heavy-handedly. It's done realistically. Yeah. You know, and but the the there's a moment between you, not between you, between um, that character and the there's a server in it who's uh, they come into the green room uh, and they're supposed to uh, serve whatever the comics want. That moment is fantastic because it's so real. Yeah, and it's a small thing. It's not a big thing. Small you mean when she takes her order at the beginning? Yeah, when she comes back and they have yeah. that conversation. Yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and the reality of of that point of view. I'm just thinking, you know how much I hate having to act like I'm yeah. interested in you type of yeah. conversation. You know, you still yeah. see it. Sometimes, I, who do I have on the it's podcast? It's the burden that the that the privileged performer sometimes puts on the person that has to deal with them. You know who you else know? gets it is yeah. wardrobe women yes. a lot and makeup women, hair yes. and makeup women. Completely. Is men are idiots. Yeah. <laughs> they think it's an invitation to something because else they're professionally when they're just warm. doing their job. They're, they're being professionally yes, warm. That's exactly right. And it's just like a hospice worker. <laughs> yes, you know what I mean? They're yes. being the right level of yes. warm. They're being nice. To see yes. you to the other side. Yes. And these people. Ooh, but, nice. She must want me. Yeah. We're such idiots that mm-hmm. if you bring us food or you yeah. help us with our hair or you yeah. give us a shirt to wear, our stupid lizard brains often yeah. just go like, 
well, you must love me, and I love you, right. and, and therefore, like— Well, love, that would be that would be something yeah. if they thought that. Yeah, right. They're just like, you want me. <laughs> exactly. Or this flirtation is welcome or whatever. Exactly. And it fucking sucks. And that episode that you're talking about, I'm really proud of. It yes. has a, a lot to do great. with Judd. We just love Dove. We were like, Dove yeah. Davidoff, who plays Jason, yeah. who's nothing like Jason. Um, he's mm-hmm. a brilliant stand-up. Yeah. But um, we were like, let's kind of— Sympathetically, but also kind of harshly, go at yeah. the the toxic dinosaur. It was done in a real way. I thought it was yeah. great. Yeah. Well, it started just being like, let's. What would it be like if Pete and uh, Jason went on the road? And right. then it evolved to go like, well, how could we address Jamie Lee, who's one of the writers, was like, what if Jamie was there or Allie was there? Mm-hmm. And we were like, well, that would change everything. It would be this, this, and this, and this, and it would be like we could tell the story sure. of how it's different for women in clubs. And I know some people roll their eyes, but it fucking is. Yeah. Just like for black yeah, people, it's inside he, baseball, but I. I think it's still informative of other sports. <laughs> I completely agree. <laughs> yes. We were interested in that, like, the idea that smile more is something yeah. that women are told in the way that my black friends have said at uh, auditions, they say more energy, which right. means be blacker. Yeah. Um, so there's this, like, code. It's like tits or, and teeth. Or is they don't the want us to seem like we're angry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it makes them uncomfortable. That's right. I guess that would be less energy. (laughs) More smile. Why do you hate me and want to kill me for all the impression? I mean, right? (laughs) It's a heavy— So what you're picking up on is what I was hoping that people would notice. Because when we were filming the episode, I realized that it's a story of— Because the first time Jason goes up—and I don't think this ruins the episode. The Mm. first time Jason goes up, he kills. Yeah, and that was important, right? Because they—it's ha- not like he's a—he's not—he's not ineffective. He—he's a professional. <laughs> he's he a knows professional. what he's doing. Yes, that's right. Let's put it. We like gave that. Dove yes. every. Imagine a comedy room of people being like, "Let's write." I know all of. I know that whole type of routine, that, right? Yes. Let's write everything that you shouldn't say, but you could still kind of kill right. with. Yeah. And we actually got some of it from a Cosby book. Cosby had a thing about, like, I don't get the consent. Like, oh, he didn't understand God. what cons- – like, he thought Ugh. consent was stupid. I didn't actually know that. Judd told that me that after the fact. How did I miss this? In one of his books – oh, no, it was a commencement speech, I think. Oh, okay. And he, he talked about consent being stupid. Like, you shouldn't oh, have God. to ask a girl if you want to kiss her. In a so, commencement so speech. So we sort of had – uh, Jason represent mm-hmm. that attitude, so we wrote this whole consent is stupid routine. Oh, we had him okay. do. Got it. It's one of the hardest things I've seen. Yeah. I've had to do bad stand up on the show, and Dove was a real fucking professional actor. Yeah, because when there's a room full of people and they do turn on you, because they know what's going on, it's a bad feeling. Yeah. They're not drunk. It's not no, a Friday not. night. Mm-mm. It's a, it's a it's the Thursday opposite of morning. a bad crowd. It's a discerning crowd. That's right. And they're actors, and they're yeah. on camera, and they're aware that they're on camera. We sort of had to coach them, you know, direct them, and be like, remember, you like this. So, But Dove made it work. He made a yeah. consent is stupid joke work yeah. the first time. Mm-hmm. And then the second night, Allie, played by Jamie, goes on before him and does all this material that makes the audience's consciousness shift. Mm-hmm. And and then he bombs with the yes. same material. Mm-hmm. Again, this doesn't ruin the episode. I think you'd still love the episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is what, in, in a microcosm, that's sort of what happened in the macrocosm, is, is raising our voice shifted the consciousness and made us change how we feel about things that we were laughing at not that long ago. Yeah. So in, in, it happened in a weekend, what sort of happened nationally over a, a long period. And in a simple example of an episode, you prove your enlightenment point. 
Very nice. What do you mean? <laughs> well, the audience became enlightened, and then their actions were different. That's right. There you go. Oh, my God. See how it comes back circle. around. Full circle, boy. And because their nice. interstate well was done, different, Pete. their nice. actions well were different. Well done, Pete Holmes. <laughs> well done. Crashing season three, you guys, on HBO. Sunday nights, is it? Mm-hmm. On Sunday nights. Catch on Sunday nights. Even if you Sorry, could care less about stand-up comedy or whatever. The, yeah, you don't have to care about stand-up. It's really, really good. It's just about following your dream. It's really funny. But we have the excuse to be funny. And the Oedipal stuff with your mom, of course, is Dude. out of the park. It's so Fucking good. damaging. It's, we could do a whole pod just on that, by the way. You want to, and they- It's and really good. She nailed my mother, and the guy really good. nailed my father. You know, we had to right. edit, whenever we were editing it, they were like, is your dad, <laughs> does your dad have dementia? <laughs> and I was like, no, he has ADD. Like, But that's how he is. Yeah. We'll be at a meal, and he'll just be like- I bought a ladder. And yeah. it's not because he's it's dumb. Painful, it's yeah. because he's not listening. Yeah. But then when you shoot it, it looks like he has dementia, and we had to really edit around it. Thanks for coming <laughs> by, Pete. Pete Holmes, everybody! Thank you, Abracadabra. Yeah, magic. <laughs> <laughs>